From the Prophet, Habakkuk, Chapter 1 The burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see. O Lord, how long shall I cry, and thou will not hear? Even cry out unto thee violence, and thou will not save. Why dost thou show me iniquity and cause me to behold grievance? For spoil and violence are before me, and there are those that rise up strife and contention. Therefore the law is slacked, and judgment doth never go forth, for the wicked doth compass about the righteous. Therefore wrong judgment proceedeth. Behold, ye among the heathen, and regard and wonder marvelously. For I will work a work in your days which you will not believe, though it be told you. Greetings. Welcome back to the broadcast. I'm Sean. Website, scriptureandprophecy.com. That's where you go to find the archives. That's where you go to support this mission of truth. Now, I've probably started a broadcast with that passage from Habakkuk a dozen times. It just so happens that Habakkuk 1, 5, 1 through 5 is kind of like a life verse for me. Um, I'm not going to get into that today. But on the other hand, it's also one of those verses I think just the reason I've covered it so many times is because it speaks so clearly to the time we're living in now. Habakkuk's crying out to God and saying, all I see is violence. All I see is iniquity. All I see is these evil people who continue to cause strife and contention, right? What's one of the common words in our culture today? Conquer and divide, right? That's what they do. They conquer and divide. They're constantly stirring up strife and contention and trying to get this faction against that faction. And it's just, it's never ending. Furthermore, Habakkuk says the law is slacked and judgment never goes forth. In fact, he says, the righteous are surrounded by the wicked and wrong judgment actually proceeds forth, right? Like judgment goes forth in the favor of evil, in the favor of the wicked. There's no justice in the world, is what he's saying. How long am I going to have to look at this? Is what Habakkuk's asking God. How long am I going to have to see the injustice that takes place in the world and this strife and contention that's caused by these people and this evil? And how long are the righteous going to be surrounded by wolves? That's really what Habakkuk's saying. God responds by saying, Behold, I'm going to do a work in your days which you wouldn't even believe, though it be told you. And I hang on to that verse. And I think eventually, right? Eventually, God is going to do something so crazy, miraculous, that even if he were to tell us, we wouldn't be able to comprehend it. And I am hoping, with hope, <laughs> That that is the case. I'm going to play a audio clip for you guys this morning. 
This is actually an audio clip from a Jewish rabbi. His name's Rabbi Richmond. He's not a Christian. Uh, just warn you right out of the gate. Um, he is very Jewish. Um, but he, in this conversation, what he's saying, even though he's, even though I think he's coming at it from the wrong angle, um, because he's coming at it from a position of unbelief, he doesn't understand what we understand about Messiah, right? But what he is talking about, the general theme, he's talking about kind of what Habakkuk is talking about, the injustice. And he's, he hits, I mean, he's just hitting the nail right on the head. Um, you'll hear him use the word Hashem to refer to God. That's uh, Hebrew for the name, right? It's kind of like Christians say the Lord, the Jews say Hashem, the name. Um, so that's where that's coming from. In the context, he's, he's looking forward to the temple being in the world again. Because in his mind, that, that when the temple's in the world again, then so is the presence of God. Um, I'll address that more uh, after you listen to the clip. What I really want you to hear is just how spot on he is about the condition of the world as it pertains um, to the injustice. Uh, so listen to the clip and then we'll come back and then we're going to talk about Revelation chapter 13. Here's the audio. They have no consoler. And the word is, uh, is ashukim in Hebrew, so it can, sometimes it's translated as oppressed and sometimes it's translated as exploited. But in other words, the, 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 the concept that he's conveying is that there is no pain like the pain of a person who is being manipulated who is being exploited, who wants to cry out, who cries out, and there is no consoler, there is no recourse. Why? Why is there no recourse? Because in the place of justice, there is wickedness. So here's, here's something really, really interesting. I'll tell you where I'm going with this in, in a moment, but you know the Shmona Asrei, Jim, right? Yeah. The Shmona Asrei, the Amidah, is the daily prayer that we have in the Siddur of Israel that we recite three times a day. It's basically like a, the, the 18 benedictions is like a compendium of, of the needs, the needs of a human being and the vision of a human being for, for everything, for Hashem's blessing in every area, right? In health and in, in the bounty of the earth and in justice and, and in, and in uh, revelation, right? It's a very, very beautiful prayer. There's one of these paragraphs that we say three times a day in the Shmona Asrei. In one of these paragraphs, it's about, and anybody that's listening can find this in the Siddur. I recommend the Art School Siddur. And here in the weekday service, whether it's morning, afternoon, or evening, we have this blessing in the, in the Amidah, and it's the blessing for the restoration of justice. And here's how it goes. Restore our judges as, as in the beginning and our counselors as at first. Remove from us sorrow and groan. Remove from us sorrow and groaning and speedily reign over us, Hashem. You alone with kindness and compassion and justify us through righteousness and judgment. Blessed are you, Hashem, the King who loves righteousness and judgment. 
So this blessing is addressing Hashem in his capacity of the judge, the king, who is just and who loves justice. And we're saying to Hashem basically, like, give us back the shoftim, the judges that we used to have in ancient days who were men of compassion, men of Torah, men of the fear of God, who would guide us along the proper spiritual path. And, and so restore our judges and, and, and our counselors. But then we have this line, and this is what I wanted to say. It's so interesting. yagon means, please take away from us, remove from us our sorrow and our groaning. And of all the places in the, in the Jewish prayers, the only time where we say to Hashem, we're in sorrow and we're groaning is in reference to justice. Yeah. It's so amazing. Remarkable. The only place in the whole prayer book where we say to Hashem, Oy vey, please remove from us sorrow and groaning is when we say to him, please give us back our judges and, and you judge us because there's nothing that brings on pain and anguish and suffering like the feeling that you are not receiving justice. No. So I look at those two, two verses in Ecclesiastes and I, and I look at this, this prayer, and I remember that the Rambam, in explaining the major task of the Sanhedrin, the, the justice system of a rectified Israel, he uses one line, one expression. He says, the main purpose of justice is to rescue the person who is being exploited from his exploiter. Yeah. Yeah. Again, because there is no pain like that pain. This concept is so vital that we see it in the covenant that is given to humanity after the flood. What does Hashem say to, to Noah? I will require that you require the blood of man when, when you spill the blood of man. The idea is, is that justice is given to you to, uh, to adjudicate, to set up courts of justice. And the reason I bring this up is, first of all, I have something on my mind you probably can guess. But I see this as, if someone would ask me, you know, innocently, I used the word naive before, and it wasn't, that wasn't right, because I don't want to call people naive, I want to call people innocent. They're, people are not really understanding and aware of the importance of the temple. And if someone would ask me innocently, well, what is this all about? Why do you need the temple? I'm not missing anything. I've, I, I have everything I need in my life. You know, we, we have our rituals, we have religion, we have, we have I'm making a living, we have everything. Why do you need this temple? And I, so what I would say is because it's not about the temple, it's about the concept of, of, of the rectification of humanity living a proper life with the negation of, of uh, suffering and exploitation and manipulation. And because, the, because the main thing that the temple brings to the world in this scenario is again if people are emphasizing you know the offerings and and if they think there's going to be some sort of a, of a mystical new balance of things that's not the the concept the concept is there is no justice in the world right now there is because there is no revelation of godliness and because the people the world is overrun by people who want to be in control by people who, just like it was in the time of the of the of the flood and in the time of the, of the Tower of Babel, there are people that are running this world, that think that they're running this world, who are trying to control everyone. And it's, it's on a grand scale and it's on a small scale. It's on a national scale and it's on a global scale. It's, it's you know, on the other side of the world and it's coming to a theater near you. It's in your backyard. <laughs> it's, it's in your local, yeah. in your local jurisdiction as well. This is 
is what's, what it's all about. The, 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 the world is in a stranglehold of despair. Despair, that's what exile is. That's what the concealment of the Divine Presence is. Okay, so there you have the audio clip. Where I'm really in agreement is the concept that there's there's about the control and about how it's really similar to the times before the flood, like you mentioned, and the Tower of Babel. And it's really, I mean, the Tower of Babel is, I mean, we're, yes, we haven't built a tower, right? We, we're doing it a different way, but it's the same concept. And there's these few powers that are doing everything they can to control and to rule over the, the, the many. And there's a lot of manipulation, and it's done through, um, media, the lies coming through media outlets and all these things, th things that we all know. Okay. And here's the thing is the world is catching on to this fact and the world is being fed up with it. Unfortunately, the world is waking up just in time to watch it all fall apart. And well, and I'll get to that here in just a second. What I, the other part I want to add is, you know, he mentions, you know, this is why we need the temples because there's no divine presence of God. Is you know, we need the divine presence of God. What we really need, what we really need to be crying out for, is the return of the King, the return of Messiah. That's the only thing that's going to bring real peace and real lasting justice and goodness and all of that, right? Uh, what we really need to be looking forward to is the new Jerusalem that comes down out of heaven, eternal life, and Christ ruling on earth. That's the only way that things become good again. You know, Jesus says, we'll go to Matthew 23, verse 39, Baruch haba Bashem Yehovah. I... Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Right? He's, he says in Matthew twenty three thirty nine, For I say unto you, you shall not see me henceforth. You will not see me again, he says, until you say, Baruch Abba Shem Yavah. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And interestingly enough, let's just go back a few verses and let's get some context here. Because what do I always say? Text without context is a pretext to make it mean whatever you want. So who's the audience? Who's the audience? Let me just go back to verse 30 and we'll figure out who the audience is real quick. And say, if we had been in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. Wherefore you be witnesses unto yourselves, you are the children of them which killed the prophets. Okay, who's the one guilty of killing the prophets, according to the scripture? It was Israel, right? God would send them prophets, and you would kill them. This is Jesus brings this up multiple times. 
Fill you up then the measure of your fathers, you serpents, you generation of vipers. How can you escape the damnation of hell? By the way, people think that Jesus was always just so like soft and whatnot. Listen to what he's saying. He just he's calling the generation of his day in Israel uh, serpents, generation of vipers, and saying, "How are you going to escape hell?" Verse thirty-four. Wherefore, behold, I sent unto you prophets and wise men and scribes, and some of them you killed and crucify, and some of them you scourge in your synagogues and persecute from city to city. That upon you may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth, from the blood of the righteous of Abel unto the blood of Zechariah son of Barachus, whom you slew between the temple and the altar. Verily I say unto you, all these things shall come upon this generation. Jesus is saying this generation, the one that he is amongst. Okay, I know end time prophecy teachers have to really twist these things so that you can so they can make it about us. But he's warning that generation, you've rejected Messiah, your fathers killed the prophets, judgment is coming here, and is coming to your generation. And in 70 AD, the Romans came in and they slaughtered the Jews and they tore down the temple and they desecrated the temple and all those things. Now, for the context. Verse 37. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets. Look, there's no confusion about who Jesus is addressing, is there? Who's the audience? Jerusalem. Okay. O Jerusalem, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto you. How often I would have gathered thy children, gathered you like thy children, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, but ye would not. Behold, your house is left desolate. And in the verse that we started with, for I say unto you, you shall not see me henceforth till you say, Blessed is he who cometh in the name of the Lord. Jesus tells Jerusalem, destruction is coming upon you. Judgment day is coming to you. And you, Jerusalem, will not see me again until you acknowledge me. Until you say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. So... <laughs> How long is it going to be and how bad do things have to get specifically even just in Jerusalem before they start crying out for Jesus and that's the question isn't it that's an important question and this is ignored this concept that it, there there has to be a revival in Israel a Christian revival meaning crying out for Jesus acknowledging him as Messiah that's what he's getting at you're getting judged for rejecting me for stoning and killing the prophets all of that it's coming to you and I'm not coming back you won't see me again till you acknowledge me for who I am that's what I believe Jesus is saying now back to what I was saying 
earlier about people are starting to under people are starting to wake up, but just in time to watch it all fall apart. And so my question is, what will this system be replaced with? Because when when there is a falling out, it comes with pain, right? If the whole if all these systems come down and most of them are evil and need to come down, we're still left with chaos. We're still left with economic problems. We're still left with famine. We're still left with severe issues. And so my concern would be, will that then lead to a situation where the whole world is so desperate that it's willing to accept something even more evil? than the system that exists now. Is that how the beast system really takes over? And there's so many things that are in place now that are dangerous. Um, it's like the Tower of Babel. Any, any exchange of money is tracked. Where you are is tracked. You can, I mean, it'd be very easy to implement a system where you can't buy and sell unless your allegiance is to the system, right? Because that are, those things are already pretty much in place now, just not completely and fully um, being executed. So then, let's go to Revelation 13, and I realize that this morning's podcast is kind of blah um, these are things that I was thinking about this week and things that we need to be thinking about and we need to be reminded that the answer is Jesus and how desperate does the world really have to get before he returns because what's it going to take to finally get to a place where we're crying out for him because we need him to return right now and there's nothing in this world that we want anymore, right? Like, what's it take to get to that place? So, Revelation 13. And I stood upon the sand of the sea. And I saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. So clearly this beast is made up of kings, kingdoms, kings, and blasphemous against God. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet was like a bear, and his mouth as a lion, and the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. Of course, the dragon and Satan and the serpent, that's the same person, just different symbolic names just different symbolisms for him and I saw one of his heads wounded to death this is one of the heads of the beast and his deadly wound was healed and all the world wondered after the beast and they worshipped the dragon that gave power unto the beast and they worshipped the beast saying who is likened to the beast and who is able to make war with him and it was given unto him a mouth speaking great blasphemies and power was given to him to continue for forty and two months. And he opened his mouth and blasphemy against God 
to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and all them that dwell in heaven. I think that's interesting. It's not just blaspheming God. But even those who dwell in heaven. <laughs> and it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And the power was given to him over all kindreds, tongues, and nations. Now... I've investigated the theory that this is dealing, that this scripture is actually talking about the Roman Empire, and a, most, and a lot of it fits. Except for one thing. The Roman Empire didn't have power and authority over all kindreds, all tongues, and all nations, right? They had a lot of the world conquered, but not all of it. And whatever this beast system is, it's going to have complete authority. And like I said, we live in a world today where the technology is already in place for a power like this to exist and have full authority over all nations um, because it's so easy to control the commerce now. And, you know, that's just one aspect. Verse 8, And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the lamb that was slain from the foundations of the world. So there's a book. Those who have trusted in Messiah, who from the foundation of the world was destined to to die and pay for our sins, right? Those who are written in that book, they won't worship the beast. This will be the proof of the pudding, won't it? And if any man hear, let him hear. By the way, I'm just going to bring this up, and I'm not picking sides or anything like that. But it says, uh, let me get to it. He was given, and it was given unto him to make war with the saints. Every end times dispensational prophecy teacher that I hear, when they get to that, they instantly go, now this is not talking about us. This is talking about tribulation saints. Maybe that's true. Maybe it's not. But what I do know is the scripture doesn't say that at all. That would be great if that's the case. If if uh, there's going to be a rapture of the church before this beast arrives. And I'm all for that happening. But this verse does not say that. It does not say. Nowhere in the scriptures does it say anything about these so-called tribulation saints. So I'm just going to put that out there because I, you know, I don't, I don't like it when people make assumptions and twist scripture to make their pet doctrines fit. So the pet doctrine is there's going to be a tribulation period, but there's going to be the rapture before the tribulation period. And so now we've got to come up with labels and we've got to deal with scriptures like what we're seeing here in Revelation 13 and kind of add some things to it to make that doctrine work. I'm not saying that there's not a rapture, and I'm not. I'm certainly for it. And when I say a rapture, obviously there's going to be a resurrection, right? We all believe in that. What I'm addressing is specifically that doctrine. And so, that's not what that verse says. It doesn't say anything about tribulation saints, just for the record. And all that okay, so and all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose name is not written in the light book of the Lamb of the, from the foundation of the world. Verse nine. And if a man have an ear, let him hear. Now remember, before I get to this part, 
what we heard the rabbi talking about was, well, actually it was his, who he was speaking with, brought up that Noah was given instruction that if a man sheds another man's blood, there must be blood to pay for that because there has to be justice, right? God's warning to the world here, because God believes that also, after all, he's the one that gave the command to Noah. Listen, verse 10. So here's the warning from God. First of all, we have the beast is going to come on the scene, but here's the warning to the world and those participating in that system, I believe. Verse 9. If any man have an ear, let him hear. He that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that killeth with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience of the saints. So he's saying, he's saying, be, be, have faith, saints, because there's going to be judgment, and it's going to be righteous. And those who are leading people into captivity, they're going into captivity themselves. And those who are killing people, they're going to be killed. Have faith. This is the patience and the faith of the saints. So trust in this. Verse eleven. In other words, trust. There's going to be justice. Verse 11, and I beheld another beast coming out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spake like a dragon. So he's going to appear to be godly, but his mouth is going to be Satan, right? And he exercises all power of the first beast before him, and he causes the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. And he doth go great wonders, and so he maketh fire come down from heaven and on earth in the sight of men. So there's there's this person apparently and look the reason why I say apparently is because I'm not so arrogant as to think that I've got all this figured out even after years and years and years and years and years of deep study the scriptures say if a man thinks he knows anything he knows nothing yet that he ought to know and I encounter a lot of people who are really wise in their own eyes don't think you've got it all figured out the apostles literally had Jesus walking with them, telling him, telling them that he that he was going to go die, and they didn't understand. Okay, so don't think that you've got it all figured out. But it, but it, it does seem to appear that way. In other words, there's going to be deception, right? There's going to be false miracles and deception that causes people to worship the beast. And he deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had the power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast, which had a wound by a sword and did live. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many that would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. By the way, it'd be very easy with today's technology and some of the madness that they can create uh, to convince people that this thing is alive and cause people to worship it. Verse 16, And he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in the right hand and in their foreheads, and no man might buy or sell, save that he have the mark with the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here's wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is six hundred three score and six. It's not 666, it's 666. And it is just a fact that Nero's name did add up to that. So that does lend credence to that Roman uh, thought process. A lot of times, 
and this is just Sean's opinion here, but I think a lot of times in prophecy, the scripture, the prophecy was given to the generation it was given to with a urgent, this is a warning to you generation, but then had also future fulfillments. And I think we see examples of that. I'm not here to say I have all the answers. What I'm here to say, I guess if there's a theme to this podcast that's kind of all over the place, is that number one, our only hope, it's not going to be in some rebuilt temple. It's not going to be in some government official. It's come quickly, Lord Jesus, come quickly. That's the hope. That's the only hope, right? There will be justice. Even though it doesn't seem like it right now, and it, it's probably even going to be even, it's probably going to get even worse, and it's probably going to look even less like real justice, but there will be justice in the end. And try to remember that our lives here on earth are nothing more than a vapor. They're here one minute and gone the next, but eternal life is forever. Eternal life is forever. And the day is coming when God's going to wipe away every tear. That is the patience and the faith of the saints. Don't make the mistake of being like that servant who thinks my master is delayed in his coming and go back to your sinful life. If anything, now is the time to dig in. I know everybody's falling asleep again. I know there's just, I know the world's getting even more insane and people just are falling more and more asleep in some ways. I'm not talking about like what I was talking about earlier, people being awake to the fact that the system itself is evil. I'm saying people are falling asleep on faith and on the return of Christ and on these things because we've just been at it for so long, right? And I think people are tired. And so we just need the strength of the Lord and we need to be crying out for Him. Come quickly, Lord Jesus, come quickly. All right, that's all I have for you this morning. I hope this podcast made some sense. I feel like it's kind of just all over the place, but I was trying to pull my thoughts together this morning, and hopefully I did some justice for all of you in that. Thanks for listening. Thank you for praying for me and for the podcast, and thank you to those who support the work. Peace and grace be with all of you, and until next time, God bless.